Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday night, as I'm recording this uh, from snowy Colorado, as I was uh, talking with my guest here about how Colorado just, it, it, it's the, the snowy state that keeps on giving lately this, this season. For whatever reason, it just feels like we are we're all snowed into our apartments and maybe, maybe I feel it more because, because I'm in an apartment and, uh, and my car is parked outside, uh, with, with no coverage and I have to scrape it off every time, but, uh, I digress, uh, everybody, I hope you're doing safe. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. And I have a very special guest this time around. He is my good friend, the King of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton over at mile high sports is now the, the podcast, coordinator is that the is that the title we're running with here jeff uh it's a bullshit title um (laughs) i I have a i am the podcast director and creative consultant for my life how creative do you get in these conversations with with our our mutual friend nate lundy i get wacky a little zany you know i throw a little little curveball here and there no actually i'm the most boring person on the planet what i do is i help people to think <laughs> that's true. Role. That's true. It's 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 one of those things that where you're so boring that right. everybody else has to kind of boost up their creativity around you, and then you get the credit for it. It's crazy. Well, if you see some of the reviews of uh, my podcast on uh, Apple, you'll notice that the boring thing tends to be a theme. So I'll oh, try God. to I'll try I'll try to liven things up here. Uh, no, I I love Jeff. He he is fantastic. <laughs> He's one of my mentors. One of the people that I greatly value within the Nuggets sphere, within the Nuggets community. And, and one of the people that uh, when I first started getting into Denver Stiffs, uh, you were you were going strong over at the site here as probably like one of the most iconic editorial pieces every single week. That was always a really big deal with you. And then you were on Wednesdays a lot of the time when I was reading you. And I know you rotated around, but uh, it was one of the reasons why I got into writing, man. And it was always nice to hear the nuanced takes, but also unadulterated fan takes. And uh, I, I'm so glad that you have not changed. Oh, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm as constant as the Northern star as it will. No, um, <laughs> I, it's funny. I was doing Wednesdays at that time because that is when I was running out of steam and it was like I, what had happened, and this has happened. I think you probably can experience this from doing podcasts on uh, five days a week. There comes a point where you're like, have I have I said that already? Did did I did I say the same thing? And then you start second against it, guessing yourself. And then that's where the for me, that's when I was like, have I said absolutely everything I have to say? That's where I started like really getting second guessing. But uh, it turns out with this podcast, I can repeat myself with a plumb and not have any, and not even worry about it. So I, I'm completely, I'm comfortable with it as a as an elderly man myself. Writing is different in that way where a lot of times when I'm putting out articles on stiffs, I will do my best to cycle through different topics, make sure to not overdo too much. And, mm-hmm. and there are some times where you'll go, oh, wow, Nicole Jokic MVP articles. That's crazy. Wow. Really, really, uh, really going out on a limb there, Ryan. That's, uh, that's really, really good content. Here's another there. one of those, Ryan. Uh, yeah, no, we we had another one of those come out today. I, I yesterday shout out uh, Brandon Ewing who was who yes. did a very good job, I think, analyzing the MVP race in a very fair way. Absolutely, uh, I think it's 
it's one of those things that as like, like you talked about, we, we go through this process constantly and in a season like this one, the 2021, 22 season where it almost has felt like Denver sort of spinning their wheels for a lot of the same uh, outcomes that you can start to say the same thing over and over again. And there, there just aren't a lot of ways to change that. And, and one of the things for me was Faku Campazo, where I was pretty much saying the same thing after every, every game, because the result was the same for most of the time. And uh, finally, Michael Malone changes that rotation and lo and behold, there, there are some improvements that are to be made there. And uh, you mind it's, if I, it's, Oh yeah. Do you mind if I interject here? Yeah. Sure. Uh, what Ryan went through here was one of the, I have never seen anything like this in my life, in my time of being a Nuggets fan. Um, I, and look, people, I understand you're very, very passionate about certain players on this Nuggets team, but no one, no one, no one, it's just a game. No one deserves abuse. Um, only I can abuse Ryan. Okay, that's true. This is this. <laughs> no one, no one deserves this sort of thing. Ryan had to sit next to me briefly at the last game while I unleashed a two years worth of puns and ridiculous random comments that I have not subjected anyone I'm sitting with to for the last two years because of the fucking pandemic. So uh, look, only I'm able to do this. But people from, say, somewhere south of the of the equator, I would just say, just be nice, be kind. It's just basketball. 100%. And, and I appreciate that. I also appreciated the puns. They were okay. fantastic. <laughs> and you were saving up material, clearly. That was the, it was definitely one of those things where you had to save the zingers just for, for sitting next to me for, for a half of basketball. It was fantastic. <laughs> right. No, that's what I do. I don't I don't add anything in source coverage, but I'm there to provide the people I'm sitting next to with minor annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's good to hear from you. Good to see you. Um, let's talk about Michael Malone. I, I wanted to have you say you it's good specific- to you. Say it again. You, you've cut out really said, quick. I said, I said, you say it's good to see me, but I, you can't see me right now. Yeah, we're, we're working with Jeff's spotty internet connection right now, where the best way when we're doing Zoom calls is for him to turn off his monitor so he gets more bandwidth into his audio. Uh, it's uh, you got to you got to really uh, crank up the tin can so that you can so you can you can foist internet onto I, Jeff in the Thornton area. Yeah, well, I got um, I get the, the, the string. I got to get better quality string from the tin can I'm using down to uh, down to uh, New Mexico where, where <laughs> you Ryan need something lives, conductive so. Jeff come on <laughs> I do um okay <laughs> let's talk about Malone I think that this is a is kind of an important time to talk about Michael Malone because what we're about to go mm-hmm. through for the rest of the season post all-star break I think might be a head coaching kind of era defining moment for mm-hmm. Michael Malone. Uh, does that sound like hyperbole to you? Uh, no, I think this is his most important year of coaching by far. Um, yeah, I really do think so. He has been in a tough position for the entire pre all-star break time where you take away one of the 
players that was so iconic for Denver. And so like that he became so dependent upon because he was freaking good in Jamal Murray. And I looked it up. He, he averaged 35 and a half minutes per game last year. Right. 30. That's, that's a ton, a ton of minutes to try to make up. And mm-hmm. Denver's done it pretty well with their starters with Monte Morris. The backups have been like kind of a mess for most of the year, but that's to be expected. Um, Jamal's going to come back. We, we are pretty confident upon, and we'll talk about that in the second segment, but for now, I think some of the problems that have been facing Denver from a rotation perspective are about to go away, or, or they have the possibility of going away if everybody becomes healthy. And then you give a fully healthy or close to it roster mm-hmm. to Michael Malone. And I think there are going to be a lot of positives that come out of these next what, 50 days or so and then into the playoffs, I think we're, we're going to see some really interesting moments and maneuvers from Denver's head coach. I, I'm i going to draw an analogy that only old people will get, but I think I think there is a – there's some – this is the way I look at Michael Malone. Um, you're, let, me, let me first say this, uh, Ryan – I have been locked into this and been branded as the Malone hater of the uh, Nuggets media. And I I am not a hater, but I will say that I am probably the most critical of him. And where the criticism comes through is from various things that he has not improved on through the, this is the seventh year, Um, through the seven years he's been coaching, the things that are constants with him that I don't think he can change. And that is where, where I get critical of him, but I will get to that later. But I will say that my historical comparison for uh, Michael Malone is Bob Hill. Uh, Hill was the coach of the San Antonio Spurs before Greg Popovich sandbagged him and took his job. And uh, I think Bob Hill was not the right coach to get the San Antonio Spurs to the promised land. Obviously, getting Tim Duncan helped and all that stuff, there's other factors. But those Spurs teams would win 50 games and flame out in the Western Conference Finals. And Hill had a lot of the same problems Malone does in that he would get tunnel vision. And I think coaches that tend to get tunnel vision for whatever factors, whatever reasons they do tend to have a ceiling on themselves. And my worry with the nuggets is that they will lock themselves into uh, something that is they, the good and the, the, what you've experienced so far, you need to have vision for what could be great. And there is where I'm glad I'm not a front office executive. I'm not saying don't keep, keep him as a coach. All I'm saying is those are my own kind of views of Michael Malone. I see him as a uh, a guy who can get you almost there, but I'm not convinced he can get you there. Well, that was one of the questions that I was going to ask, and I think that yeah. that's, a, that's a very nuanced and fair take, uh, given what we've seen so far, given that there have uh, been several moments throughout his tenure that – he has become very reliant upon Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and kind of the guys that he has built trust with. Uh, there are definitely 
a lot of scenarios where he's the immovable object in a lot of cases. And having a dynamic leader, somebody who can see the see the court, understand what's going on both on and off the court, and then adapt in such a way that he can outmaneuver his opponent, his, his opposing coach, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. is a really, really important part of the new NBA. And then like Nick Nurse was is the guy that I think of when I think of this. And right. Monty Williams is is sort of in this mold as well. Eric Spolstra, Ty Lu, all of the new guys, not new guys, but like some of the um almost younger generation or, or newer generation of coaches that have come in and become more dynamic in how they approach mm-hmm. certain situations. They've been able to do it in such ways for these high profile situations that I think a lot of Nuggets fans will look at Michael Malone and think, okay, well, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing this? And I think my counter to that, my biggest one is that when Denver had their full complement of pieces, they were really freaking good and we haven't seen it since. Right. Well, let me, let me throw this out there. What maybe, and this is unfair. And and let me know, Ryan, if you think this is unfair. Okay. Um, I one of the things that separated. I mean, George Carl was just got nominated for the the Basketball Hall of Fame. Congrats to George one Carl. Of the by things, yes, congrats to court Coach Carl. Uh, I miss our breakfast at Zabies. Um, I my kind of perspective on this is that George Carl separated himself as a head coach when the Nuggets didn't have their stars, right? The best coaching job he ever did was the year Carmelo Anthony was traded. That was a, that was a masterclass in coaching and doing and using what you, you had and making a winning team out of it. Um, And when the chips were down, George got his best. That is when George was at his best. 100% George Carl was peak George Carl at when the Nuggets didn't have their stars. Um, And you can't ask that of every coach. But what I've seen this year and what has frustrated me with Michael Malone is the two uh, was the Clippers games. I think um, actually there was the games that were a month apart. There was the Clippers game and I forget which which was the other one. Maybe the The Charlotte game. game. Charlotte game. Where... Faku Campasso, no offense to the Argentinian fans, plays the last 17 minutes of a game. There is no excuse on heaven and earth for Faku Campasso to be playing that long in a normal NBA game, regardless of your reasons. There's no reason to play a a guy 17 minutes straight like that. And, And that's just game minutes. So this was easily over a half hour on the court. Uh, in in real time, so w- w- there's no reason for that, and and that is not the first time Malone's done that. That has happened since the first year he coached, and there is where I'm having trouble. I if he's making the same kind of judgment calls in his seventh year that he did his first year, that is where I'm having trouble with him. Not that I don't. Not, and once again, let me clarify. I don't think he should be fired. I don't know if he deserves an extension but I don't think he should be fired. And there is where my line of demarcation is right now. 
I'll get back to that in just a bit, but I do want to highlight this. You know, I track rotations like the back of my hand. I, I know every single Nuggets rotation because I track them by hand. Uh, I see and, them on Twitter. You, you did, and, Ryan does a really good job of that. Check it out. Monte Morris has closed, or he, he's played the last minute of the fourth quarter 24 times this year. And some of that is in close games. Some of that is in not close games. Uh, but most of it is in close games because he's the starter. Faku Composo has closed 25 games at point guard. Wow. Um, some of that is with Monte not out there. Like there are times where Monte was injured. There were times where Monte played the two. There were four, four distinct times that Monte was at the two at the end of the game. And I, I can actually raise that up to six or seven times where he's gone with a Faku Monte closing lineup about mm-hmm. six or seven times. And I don't know what the exact record is in those games, but given the high profile meltdowns that we've had in these situations, I'm, I'm going to guess that it's not good. Right. And a lot of it, like you said, there's, there's just a lack of adaptability in those cases where if you're Michael Malone, you want a guy who's going to hustle. You want a guy who's going to win you a possession. But I do think that it has gone away from the overall larger picture of what he's trying, of what they're trying to accomplish this year and what the Nuggets actually need versus what Michael Malone thinks that they need in the moment. And I do think that those things have been kind of divergent this year in a way that I didn't expect them to be with regard to Faku, with regard to how he's handled. Jeff and Jamichael Green, um, how he's handled Will Barton in some situations. I do think that there are certain coaches that wouldn't have closed as often with certain guys, or they would mm-hmm. have gone different directions in the face of veterans that he certainly like has, like they have his trust, but you got to fully understand and appreciate that sometimes a guy doesn't have it. And I think that he, he can give players too much of the benefit of the doubt in a situation where Denver really just has like two closers and and one of them is Murray and he's injured. Well, I, let me throw in there. The best coaching job Malone, Michael Malone did this year was uh, against the Golden State Warriors. Ironically, the last yeah. game that was played, he, that was by far, by far the best coach game that he had this year. Um, now, a little bit of it is the Nuggets haven't had a bad backup center. And I, when I criticize Michael Malone, it is for what he has to work with in context of how, what they could be doing. So it's not the fact that I, I, I take into account that the Nuggets do not have Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray uh, and uh, P.J. Dozier got injured and uh, was eventually traded and they are having to rely on guys like Faku Campasso and, and, uh, and who at times has played great. Um, but, but the I, big I one is, is Michael Green, like Jamichael Green at center versus Jamichael Green at power forward. It's just a completely different player. <laughs> right. That's, that's right. a really but, tough let me, thing for Michael Mullen to deal with. Let me just throw this out here. And this is just this is a Jeff thing, um, but it's based on, I'm informed when I say this. I am not inclined to uh, be kind to Michael Malone for the backup center thing because 
by and large, the reason the Nuggets didn't go over into the year with a backup center was because they wasted a couple assets on two backup centers the previous year who didn't get played. And I, I people forget that. Shit. And that is where I'm pardon my language, but I think that is where, that is where people, that is where we kind of, I'm not inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt with DeMarcus Cousins when he fell into DeMarcus Cousins. Okay. And that is where I kind of like throw that right there. It's like, that is not why. And the Nuggets Michael Malone has done a good job in certain instances this year with certain things he has done. The other flip side of this is that there's like, there is consequences of the actions that were done. And I think that there's a disconnect between both. And that is where I'm trying to struggle. That is where I am at right now, because as I said before, Ryan, and we can talk about this whenever you want to, but I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think he has earned an extension this year but i do think he has earned another year okay and that is where the rub is because coaches don't like to go into a year without a contract but i don't think he has set himself apart this year enough to say man he deserves this thing there's a lot of excuses right now and all of them are not his fault but i think that he has done enough to earn another year but i do not think he has done enough to earn an extension so the year isn't over, and I think we should, of course, yes, like if they if they were trying to yeah. if they were trying to decide on restructuring his contract during the All Star break, then I agree with you. Like I, I I wouldn't probably give him an extension before seeing what the team looks like in the playoffs this year and and how they how they operate, how well they're prepared. If Jamal Murray comes back, how does he look? Uh, how does he how is he integrated into what they're doing? And what does that do to affect the bench unit and things like that? So mm-hmm. there are certain things that I, I, I'm in agreement with you that I would be a little bit hesitant in like, because I, I, I'm with you about the backup center thing. I'm, I'm with you that that was, that was something that bothered me in the moment. I thought that he was over-reliant on Paul Millsap because Paul Millsap had committed to Denver and then he was a trusted all-star that Michael Malone could never quit. And despite the fact that JaVale McGee and Isaiah Hartenstein were becoming better players, like not just, not just better fits, but better players than Paul Millsap at the time, the Nuggets couldn't quit the guy that they had gotten there with. And it ended up costing them this season. So I do think that I wouldn't give Michael Malone a lame duck year. That's a really bad idea for one of Michael Malone's temperaments and for one that in this situation with all of the moving parts, if next year's a do or die year, like Denver should be in a really good position next season where they can make some massive noise, but what's the barometer then? Like getting to the conference finals, getting to the NBA finals, winning a title. Like if you fall short of any of those goals, then I think it's gotta be more nuanced than that. Yeah. Well, no, you are absolutely right. But um, if you was heading into this year, the Nuggets, with what's the best case scenario? They make it to the second round again, um, get a good draw, make it to the second round, unless Jamal and Mike come back, and we're going to talk about that later. Um, and they're looking good. Um, I think 
like I, this is sounds like worse than I'm trying to make it. I think, excuse me, sorry about the burp there. Um, I think that there is a legitimate chance the Nuggets can end up with a great record, all considering, because their schedule is pretty darn easy. The last, what, 23 games? They got? Yeah, 24. 24. And they have 15 home games. And they're going to get three road games out of the way immediately after the, the uh, Arsenal break. So they're going to have a bunch of home games against a bunch of not, I wouldn't say weak, but not as hard as it was the first uh, part of the schedule. Um, so their March is going to look pretty, pretty good. And they could run up a good record. Okay, so you go into the offseason. What do you do? If you're the Nuggets front office, do you give him a one-year extension? Do you say, no, we're all in? Do you give him three more years? The Nuggets are in a tough spot here. Yeah, yeah, I would. You've got to consult Nikola Jokic. You've got to, like, because there, there was a quote that you shared with me that I had others share with me that he said about Monty Williams that you said, like, the, the specific wording was he's very calm. Uh, you, you feel like you could talk to him about anything. And when, when you hear somebody compliment somebody like that, like Jokic, I don't, I don't think he's playing the media game like, like LeBron yeah. was all weekend. But I do think that Jokic is going to be at these events. He's going to see how others operate. And he, he may like that more. And if he likes a, a coach that's a little bit calmer, and like, I can't imagine that that would be the difference between him signing somewhere else and signing here because he likes Malone too. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that it's one or the other. I think you can like both things. Uh, But if you're, if you got to go to yoke, you've got to see what he wants and what's going to get him to sign on the dotted line next, uh, this coming off season for a super max deal. And then you've got to make the decision after that. Like, maybe I guess you could consult Jamal, but Jamal's going to be in Michael Malone's corner too. So I, I don't know, man. Like, I think if I were Denver, I would wait to see how the rest of this season plays out. And then the most likely scenario I can come up with is extending him by one more year, see how next season goes when you've got a fully healthy team, and then kick the can down the road. I can see that, and I think that's probably the most likely option. Um, and 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 your people who listen to Pick Action are probably not going to like what I've been saying tonight. But I, I I think that if you're looking at a coach, that's probably next to your superstar the biggest decision you can make because the coach is what is the guy that's going to shepherd you through whatever you need to be shepherded. And the Nuggets are at the position right now even considering Jamal and Mike's injuries, they are at this point right now where they need to start making a decision about if they are committed to Mike Malone. If, if Michael Malone gets another three years, I'm fine. Right. Because that shows me they're 100% committed to it. And that is where they're going to go. But if they are not, and if they go into this off season, hedging their bets, they need to make a decision right now because this is the, this is the time. And the Nuggets are out of crossroads right now because if they're not convinced that they can get to the finals with Michael Malone, they need to make that decision now. But if they're convinced that they can, they can't half they can't half ass it. They have to give him a four year deal and commit to him. And and I, I think there's no 
middle ground here. Either you commit to him or you say, we got to get a guy we think is going to make, take us to the promised land because none of no more of these two year extensions, which are basically just one year extensions. You just got to, you got to give them the full thing and commit to him 100%. And maybe that'll change his outlook on certain ways he coaches too. Perhaps there, there's definitely been uh, a, a certain cheapness about the way that they've handled the situation. Um, if the Nuggets want to commit to a championship caliber coach, then they probably have to pay him like a championship caliber coach. And yep. they, like you've got to give him some security. You've got to give him some flexibility. And that's probably the way to reach him best on a lot mm-hmm. of these situations. And he'll still be him. He'll still, like that's that, that's not going to change, and nor should it, because that's what's gotten Michael Malone to this situation. And I do think that mm-hmm. kind of the resiliency and the fortitude of the Nuggets, a lot of it is built in Michael Malone and how he operates things, and Nikola Jokic and how he operates. And that's the place where I think they confluence as much as they come together as much as they possibly have. So we're going to have to see like, but I do think that this is a conversation over the course of this remainder of the regular season and the playoffs that is going to play out. And we are going to be very interested to see how this plays out and what Denver ends up deciding to do. I I do think that Michael Malone is the guy. Uh, I know you have your doubts about the guy. I think that Michael Malone is the guy and Despite the fact that I have some questions about him getting there, I do think those will be answered in the coming months. Hey, uh, I'm like, look, there's no one's going to be happier on this planet to be wrong than me. I have no pride and I will take to Twitter people who are listening to this right now. I will take to at Jay Morton 78 and I will publicly apologize directly to Michael Malone. If he get if he gets the Nuggets to the finals and wins, I I will grovel till I can't grovel no more. <laughs> but will you take to at King of Thornton? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I tried that and some some greedy and mofo took that, so I can't I can't have that, which is very very disappointing to me. I made a mistake, Ryan. I made a mistake. <laughs> How dare they? Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. But first, as you know, and as Jeff obviously knows, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They're the official sports betting partner of the NBA, and they have great opportunities. And their latest offer is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. It's so good. New customers, they can bet just $1 on any team, get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with new same game parlays where you combine multiple bets together from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you do. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700.
Project Axe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Five stars if you can. Uh, the last couple of ratings and reviews definitely put a smile on my face. So thank you so much to whoever left those. And I look forward to possibly seeing some more. That would be fantastic. All right, Jeff, let's get back into the program here. Joined today, obviously, by Jeff Morton. At King of not at King of Thornton. We just went <laughs> over this. He's at J Morton78 on Twitter, but he is the King of Thornton and he will never be known otherwise. <laughs> Let's talk about Jamal Murray. Let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. Right. Uh, first of all, we we've kind of danced around this as media for a long time. But I do think that we're we're starting to get some little rumblings about the prospective returns here. And I assume mm-hmm. that Denver's going to have a practice tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I assume they will have a practice on Wednesday morning before going to Sacramento. I wonder what Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. look like in that practice. And if they've, they've started contact at all. Um, the sense that I get is that they're on their way. They're on their, they're on their way back and should be back in March. If Porter isn't back, I wouldn't be shocked. If Murray isn't back, I would be shocked. What, what are you hearing on your end? Uh, I heard you, I heard, uh, you on with Matt Moore on Lockdown Nuggets. Um, and I have to say, I disagree. I think you, we have it flipped. I think Mike will be back before Jamal. Wow. Well, that is, that's news to me, honestly. I think. I think Mike is a a guy you don't necessarily – if you talk to the Nuggets, they will be cautious to the point of, of like, unseriousness about, about Mike. Yeah, his, yes. <laughs> um, what has surprised most people that I have spoken to is how – quickly Mike adapted and quickly he rebounded from how awful he felt after he tweaked himself in the preseason this year. And um, what has been surprising is his agility. It's not necessarily his shooting stroke, which will never go away. Okay, that, that, that's never going to go away unless he's obviously feeling like he did at the beginning of this last year. And we were all throwing barbs at him, not thinking that he was injured, which I, I, I feel bad about, you know. Um, but Mike's game, if he's feeling right, is based on shooting. And it's based on that sweet stroke. And there's things that he can provide that doesn't necessarily, that, that Jamal's considerations don't. Uh, it's completely different kind of thing. Jamal really, as you know, better than most people, I would say, Jamal's game is a lot more physical. And that, I think, is why I'm hesitant on saying that Jamal will be back quickly. I think he's going to be back. But that's where I say it's going to be. like That's where I'm drawing the line here. Because I think Mike regardless of his back, his back is his back. <laughs> I, he's not going to break his spine in two if he goes onto the court, 
right? So I, don't, I, I didn't think, need that imagery. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. That is not going to happen. Uh, Mike, Mike's, it's all about pain management. That's it. That is all, every, whatever procedure he's going to face, whatever, anything like that, it's all about pain because he's gone through the disc surgery already. Okay, disc, disc surgery, disc surgery. Um, so he's not going to re, he's going to not going to make himself worse. It's all about pain and how much he can tolerate pain and all of that. That's the way he's going to be. Jamal, it's actual structural stuff. And that is where I'm like, I'm reversed to most people uh, because we saw this with Danilo Gallinari and it takes a while, man. I've been through enough knee injuries with the nuggets to know that it just takes a while. Now they will come back. Okay. But it's just, it just takes some time, man. And I think the nuggets are aware of this. They won't rush either guy, but if I'm a gambling person, which I'm not, um, despite this podcast being, Sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's yeah. top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, despite that, I I am one hundred percent, not one hundred percent, but I'm inclined to say that Mike will be back before. Well, that's it's at least positive because my my general sense about this is that Jamal is going to return. Like there's there's mm-hmm. almost no doubt in my mind that Murray will be back. And whether he is back at full strength, whether he's back at 90% or like whatever, whatever you want to classify it as, like some of it's going to be rust, but mostly he's going to wait until he's physically good enough to come back. And, but I do think like I've I've been a little bit more disconnected from the Porter situation for sure. uh, Just because I I feel like I have a better understanding and, and, and grasp on the Murray situation. Uh, but I do think he's coming back. No one in March. understands Mike. No one understands Mike. Yeah, like it's it's very very nuanced and uh, <laughs> also just wild in general uh, is how I probably describe that. Um, give me give me your percentage chance that uh, Porter doesn't return this season. Oh, I don't know, forty five percent. I okay, think it's so, not, so it is it, still it, significant. It's it's still significant. Um, if the Nuggets decide that what he brings, because one one of the things that's going to happen is that I, it's already been kind of like put out there. Is there is a there's the calculation you have to make as a team to whether you think this person who's coming back from injury will get you over a hump. If it's just Mike and Jamal's lagging, I think they may say, Mike, we're going to make sure you're 100% before we get you back on the court. And, you know, be cautious to the point of ridiculousness, which at some points could be great. Um, But if Jamal comes back and is raring to go, and they think that it could get them over the cliff, um, as I said before, Mike is not going to his injuries already happened. It's it, it it's all about pain. And his last procedure was completely about pain. It was relieving pain on his nerves. So that is his consideration. And it's not the same as Jamal's. It is not the same as Jamal's. So 
I will never, I, I, I talked to a league source about this a couple of months ago and they were genuinely confused about the hysteria surrounding Michael Porter Jr.'s procedure. Um, a lot of what was going on was Mike did not want to have another procedure. That 100% Mike was doing everything possible to not have another procedure. And I don't blame him. The guy's been under the knife a lot. Okay. My grandmother was like that. She, she had like six hip surgeries. It's just like at, that, at, at some point, she's like, I don't want to do this again. I don't want to go through this again. Um, and I don't blame Mike. But his that whole thing and him getting a second opinion and doing all that stuff was about him just not really wanting to go through the procedure again. In the grand scheme of things, though, from what I told, he felt 200% better like a day after the procedure. I mean, it was immediate. And if anyone's had sciatica before, it's miserable. It's absolutely miserable. It's, it's pain down your leg. It is, it is bolts of lightning, basically. And, but it was, it's about quote unquote pain. And his procedure was not about re- reconstructing his, um, his lumbar. It was about just relieving the pain on the nerve. And the people I spoke to were confused as to why people were so, were like this. Yeah, it's another surgery on the back, but they say that it, this was all about a pain procedure. So it was like um, scoping a knee or something like that. That is that is a rough and very crude equivalent. Okay, it's obviously your back, which is severe, but that's what it is. Jamal, on the other hand, what, what has happened with Jamal is that he's just had an ACL injury and it was not, I wouldn't say it was as bad as Gallows was, but it was certainly not great. Well, certainly the fallout of the his surgery was was a lot different than Gallo's initial procedure. Well, right, because he got that witch doctor in Vail to, you know, <laughs> I didn't say I don't mean witch doctor. That is me kidding. I don't want to get sued. Um, but it was a it was a procedure that Gallo should have never done. But Jamal. His his basis of his uh, entire game is not the same as Mike's. And that is what has me a little more pessimistic because Jamal puts so much strain and you could speak to this much better than I can, Ryan. Um, Jamal puts so much strain on his, on his every fiber of his of, of joints because of how hard he works. And that's a consideration that goes into his rehab that doesn't go on to Michael Porter Jr. Whose skill set doesn't, is not same. It is it's a completely different skill set. And that's why I'm more positive about Mike coming back at least quicker because Mike, Mike's thing is not the same as Jamal's. And Mike's thing is, man, you could shoot that sweet three-pointer and maybe get some good openings for some good good hoops. And Jamal, he has to have the ball more. He has to get through the lane more. He has to risk physical contact more. And I think that is the difference between the two. Yeah, there's definitely like a lot of Jamal's game. It's some of it's physical and and there's there's a lot of aspects to that that are obviously going to put a lot of stress on the joints. But a lot of it is also technical where he uses his knee bend. He uses his explosiveness to get to various points on the court uh, that other guys can't get to. 
And, and he does that not because he's a great athlete and because he's like in the grand scheme of the NBA, he's not really, but he's a good athlete who has perfected a lot of these moves and all of those moves involve his body working in unison and, and they just aren't going to work as well if he has a bum knee. So there is something to that where they're going to want to be 112% sure that he is ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I just happen to think that he's close and that there's mm-hmm. there's enough there that he is going to probably be starting contact pretty soon. Uh, from what I understand, he hasn't started it yet. And we may we may know this tomorrow. Like well, that's there's there's various things that I'm sure will be asked. How much did Had, the COVID thing set him back? Say it again. How much did the COVID thing set him back? Uh, probably longer than the week that he actually was out. Um, because it wasn't just like it wasn't just like, okay, hey, we're going to pause this and then we're going to immediately start back up where we were. There was definitely a little bit of an overlap period. And so he had to probably take just a little bit longer than what he would have expected. And there was something to him possibly being ready immediately after the all-star break prior to getting COVID. Uh, But I do think that it's not just even that, like there, there are some things with pain tolerance that he's starting to feel ramping up more and more. And it just seems like there are certain parts of the rehab that, that he's had to take it, take his time with, and then just like take the normal amount of time versus the amount of time that Jamal would prefer to take, which is right. go at lightning speed and let's get back on the court. Right. 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 Um, 100%. But I do think that when those guys come back, I do think it's a when, by the way, I, I actually don't think it's an if. I think that both guys are going to come back. And I'd, I'd probably handicap it at I would be, I would be like ninety five percent chance that Jamal returns and five percent that he doesn't, and then seventy five percent that Porter returns and twenty five that he doesn't. Is where where I'm kind of at with this. And you can start thinking about best times to bring them back and what it's going to look like and how the bench is going to look like and. Uh, what the other ramifications are of adding these two guys into the lineup. And I do think that the ramifications are obviously strong and it's going to look so drastically different. The entire rotation is uh, when those guys do return. It's kind of your impression of introducing guys back into the lineup uh, so late in the year. And and what, what kind of effect do you think that's going to have if it, if it does end up happening? Oh man. I will say that there is very few instances of us may well maybe Clay Thompson this year is the best analogy I can I could give, but Clay missed two years, so it's even then it's not one hundred percent analogous, and you know Adam Mares would say Mares I should say would. that Mike's like Clay um, in certain skill sets. And I agree in a sense that he could do things that are similar. So I can see that kind of thing happening with, with Mike and, and, and all that stuff. Um, in, but, in what regard, and, like kind of just like 
introducing his skill set back in where he can just kind of be mm-hmm. a 40% shooter, where he can be like have some plays run for him, where he runs off screens, things like that. I have no doubt the Nuggets are going to bring him up, bring Mike off the bench, but Mike's skill set is one where like it's not dependent on him being a cog in a wheel of motion. They just have Mike stand in corners 90% of the time. So if he can get into some actions, maybe. And if he was involved in a lot of actions and like dribble handoff, well, he does dribble handoffs, but if he was doing pick dribble handoff drive, or if he was doing a pick and roll action, or if he was doing a pick and pop, um, it would be a little different. But if, I would say that if the Nuggets bring him back, bring Mike back this year specifically, it would be just to be a spacer. It was a spacer who can hit the threes, and hopefully you work him in eventually. You'll come off the bench. Uh, Jamal, they got to throw him in. And But I, at the same time, I'm having a hard time drawing an analogous thing to a major star coming back late year like this. It's tough. Like I, I don't see, I don't see a lot of examples when I look back at NBA history where most of the time these teams will wait until the off season or, or there they won't be in a situation where a player that's that's as such high profile as Jamal is, where he's mm-hmm. just a board, he's a borderline all star, where you you bring him back into the fold like this, and it could mean the difference between a championship and not, like. Mm-hmm. I think he has that level of impact. And and when you start thinking about the rest of the team and what they can do together when he's out there, like I wouldn't have massive expectations for what the numbers would look like. I do think Mm -hmm. that if I was expecting, I'd be expecting like Will Barton numbers or somewhere around there where he's at about 15 points, four rebounds, four assists, something like that. and, And slightly better passing than Will, uh, maybe the occasional Murray flurry quarter. Um, mm-hmm. And then with Porter, like you're just hoping that he's a 40% from three guy. And, and mm-hmm. you don't have to do that much else beyond that. It would be nice to get on the offensive glass. It would be nice if he could get in some back cuts and some DHOs and things like that. But more than anything, you just have another trusted shooter in the playoffs that can get off his shot from anywhere. That's, that's a really big deal and something that's, that's very trustable in a playoff situation I, I, that I'd be very hopeful about. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. And, and, and my, my biggest annoyance with the Nuggets coaching staff is that they've done a really bad job of incorporating Mike into a greater offensive weaponry. They kind of used him more as basically a floor spacer. And a lot of that is his lack of chemistry with Jokic, which has, which it's, going to be a mountain that you're going to need to climb over. Um, But Jamal coming in is a different kettle of fish because as, as Nikola Jokic told Monte uh, Williams is like, he misses him a lot. He misses the two man game because it takes a lot of pressure off of him. Mike's not going to take a lot of pressure off of, uh, of Nikola because those two have zero chemistry. So I, I, I think if you're bringing back Jamal and you add Mike, it's a different thing. If you're bringing back Jamal, if you're bringing back just Mike, 
I don't know if necessarily it's as much of a needle mover as bringing them back both in tandem to you work as that, that unit that we saw for those, what, five, six games before Kamal got injured, where we're all like, oh my God, we've reached the promised land. Hopefully it could be like that again. It would be nice. It would be nice to get back to that point. Um, I've got some dates circled that I think Denver will be probably trying to shoot for. Um, what I will say, and, and before anybody takes these too seriously, is that I'm, I don't think the early parts of March are, are where we're looking at. I think we're more looking towards the later parts of March now. Uh, un, unless we get back a, a nice update tomorrow, and I just looked at my email, uh, we, we have a, a practice that's, that's going on tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. Um, I, I will definitely be there. Um, Denver will be going to Sacramento. Uh, they'll be coming back and playing Sacramento again. They've got a pretty soft schedule in the be- the late stages of February, beginning of March. Uh, the first major tests come in a span of four days on March 7th and March 10th when Denver plays Golden State twice in four days. And yeah. I don't think that Jamal or MPJ will be back before then, but it wouldn't surprise me if they circled one of those days and was like, hey, let's let's see if we can get you back at this point. Well, what would if you not? Do, what would you? Oh, say? go ahead, go what, ahead. I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. What would you say as the as the Murray whisperer? What would you say is the is the fail safe date for Jamal? The day to bring him back before not like bringing him back. The latest you at can all? bring him back. The latest you can bring him back. Like you, you've got a window. Like what is your window with Jamal? I, I said this to Matt on Locked On that I, I don't think there's a late stage. Like, I, I think that if, if I were to bring him back, I would be okay with bringing him back off the bench because Denver's starting lineup has been pretty good. And then he could potentially, like, like look, you're adding – I mean, I go, man, it, it, is, it is tough, right? Like, you don't want to just introduce a, a massively different player uh, – with five games left in the regular season or something like that. So I guess if he can't come back by March, then I'd hesitate to bring him back at all is, is what I would probably say. March 30th is the last game of March. That's game 77. Uh, it's a, a road game against the Indiana Pacers. So assuming they'd want to bring him back at home, I think the latest you could probably bring him back is March 26th against Oklahoma city at home. That's game 75 of the year. You get some games under your belt. You get some chemistry again. This could just be like riding a bicycle, right? Like if you're if you're introducing him into the starting lineup, like Nikola Jokic knows how to play with Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray knows how to play with Nikola Jokic. And when in doubt, throw it to the big fella in the post or let Will Barton run some actions. Like this shouldn't be too terribly difficult for them. It's just more about getting used to uh, the timing of things again. Yeah, and, and and this goes to my thing. Like, I think they Mike could come in. Mike could come in whatever time, and be Mike, because he's just his skill set's different. Um, but Jamal's interesting because you're the first person I've heard say in the media uh, and people who watch the Nuggets say, "Cut bringing off the bench." Uh, most people, I think, say. Uh, I've encountered say just bring him in, throw him in the starting lineup, and and go. 
Uh, I happen to be agree with you. Um, I think that would be the probably the appropriate thing to do for a period of a, of at least five six games, if they have that time. And that is where I'm thinking. I'm thinking mid March for me. Maybe to the end of March is maybe your fail safe with that because I would think that they would really want to get Jamal back into the swing of things before the playoffs. Right, like you can. You could bring him off the bench, play him 15, like like two different segments of time that are like seven to eight minutes, and then you play him 15 to 16 minutes off the bench for a few games. And then you start changing his rotation up and, and putting him back to the starting lineup, getting him some chemistry with Yoke. Mm-hmm. And you do that four, five, six, seven, eight games. And you just you hope after that point. And whether Denver's got to play. Utah or Dallas or Memphis or Golden States or whoever in the first round of the playoffs, I think you you ride or die with Jamal Murray in that case. You ride or die with Nikola Jokic, and you hope that those two can can figure it out, that maybe Monte Morris can really help out the bench unit. Um, but there, there's a lot of hoping there, and it's it's pretty scary. I, I think if you're if you're the Nuggets and let's say you're Michael Malone in this situation, how much do you want to stake on hope? How much do you right. want to stake on belief? All right. Well, look, you've taught me something tonight on this thing because I, I was not thinking about the ramp up. That's not something that I would like, like, that's not something that was, I was cognizant of, I, I guess is the best way to put it. Cause I, I was thinking about, you'll just put them in, but you kind of have made me change my point of view on this because I wasn't thinking about that sort of thing. Clay Thompson was was playing with the Golden State Warriors for about a month uh, prior to the All-Star break. And mm-hmm. the first few games, and this, this is the same with Zach Levine back in the day, by the way, where mm-hmm. the first few games, he did come, like he played in the starting lineup. And, and you can ramp up from the starting lineup. It's definitely something that you still can do. You just have to kind of change up your back-end rotations a little bit. Uh, but basically what they did was they played him for about 15 to 18 minutes for a couple games. And then they played him for 18 to 20 minutes for a couple games. And they played him for 20 to 25 games or 20 to 25 minutes for about, I don't know, five or six games. And then you get it up to about 30 minutes per game by the time the all-star break rolls around. And that was about 15 okay. games, 14 games worth of time before Clay Thompson was playing optimal minutes for a starter. The same was true of Zach Levine, where he was ramping up at a slower pace, but then by about game 15 or so, he was back to playing starter minutes. And I think you got to treat the same with Jamal, where Denver's got 24 games left in the season. He's not going to play every game in a row, which means that you have to find the optimal time to bring him back. And it might be earlier in March than people are maybe talking about. But if you miss that window, then you're condensing the ramp up time, or maybe the ramp up time takes place in the first round of the playoffs. That's a pretty scary thing. It is. No, that that you've turned my uh, brain around on this because if they did that with Clay, then they could do that with my him off the bench for 15, 20 minutes a game and then ramp him up. Well, they um, started Clay. Just like, they they never they never took right. Clay out of the the starting lineup. Like he was back there immediately. Well, do you think the Nuggets would bring Mike off the bench? 
yeah, I, I do think that they would bring Mike off the bench. I actually think that that's probably the plan is that, hey, Jeff Green has been so good as the complimentary forward next to Aaron Gordon that let's just have Mike basically replace Zeke Naji's minutes with the second unit and we'll go from there. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I think that is good in a vacuum and I think it's good for a while as long as um, it doesn't, if they don't turn him into a $200 million six man, I think Mike will be okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is a very fluky situation where uh-huh. uh, it's it's just about how can you help the team at this point, and that's that's how I would be approaching this if I was mm-hmm. Malone. Um, I think you could look at it from a from Jeff Green's point of view and like what he's been able to do. He plays the first three quarters of the game and then doesn't necessarily play the fourth quarter. Mike is still going to have a lot of opportunities to close quarters and close games. So. I definitely think that he'll he's he's not going to be short on opportunities here in this playoff run where where you you ramp up a little bit, but then when next year comes around, like you you've got to find Murray, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, and we'll see about Will Barton minutes and just kind of just kind of go from there at that point. But until then, uh, you've got so many questions that you have to answer oh, yeah. over the course of these next few weeks, yeah. and I, I'm as curious as you as to how that all figures out all right well yeah look i completely derailed your segment here so i'll show oh up. you're fine no we're just <laughs> we're just rambling it's all good i uh yeah no I, I don't really have that many other uh murray porter questions um let's just go rapid fire here real quick for for a couple before we get out cool. of here um if those two come back before march 20th can the nuggets win a title this year They can, they probably won't. Um, although I tell you what, Chris Paul's injury has really thrown a monkey wrench into this whole thing. I'm, I'm and the Utah Jazz collapsing, and uh, and Memphis's rise that has given me a lot to think about this year. So yeah, I I think they could. Yes, I'll say can. I think they can. I, I still have the hesitation when it comes to uh, wing defenders and things like that. Like, I, I, just, I don't know if they have enough on that end. Uh, but, I mean, I could be wrong on that front. Uh, another couple here. The if, let's, say, let's say Murray and Porter do come back, and then you've got those two. You've got the current starting five, which is Monte, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic. Which player after that plays the most minutes in the playoffs? Oh. Are we assuming Jamal and Mike are back? Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, my God. I hope it's not fuck. Oh, wait, no, I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> to the king of Thornton. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, at King of Thornton, because I, I won't yeah. see it. Um, uh, boy, that's a great question. You're Mr. Okay, I'll tell you what, I, I'm drawing a blank here. You're Mr. Rotation Guy. What do you think? 
I think there are three options and well, actually there, there are a lot of other options and, and Denver could go a whole bunch of different ways, but I think the mm-hmm. most likely one is that they go with Austin rivers. Yeah, I could see that. Although what about Bryn Forbes? Forbes is another option for sure. He's, he's kind of the offensive counterpart to what rivers does. But mm-hmm. when you think about it, if Porter's back, if, if you've got Murray back, then You've got the offense. You may not need another floor spacer out there, or you could just play Murray and Morris together and things like that. So I do think that Rivers, as kind of a third or fourth guard, somebody who does a little bit more defensive stuff, I think Michael Malone's going to like that. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I would say Bryn Forbes. Yeah. Shooting, shooting, shooting for days. <laughs> If you can't, if you can't defend them, just outscore them. That's probably yes. that's, that's the Doug Mo narrative right there. It is. Let's, let's go. <laughs> uh, Demarcus Cousins is going to sign with the team for the rest of the year. We obviously didn't cover this, uh, but Sham Sharania reported this earlier today. Mm-hmm. Are you excited by that? It is what it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> This is one of the few times because I covered JaVale during his first time here in Denver, but I would prefer JaVale. <laughs> um, that's, that's quite the statement right there. Although JaVale has been really good this year. JaVale, the, the JaVale who came back to Denver is not the same JaVale who was here when I had a very difficult time covering him back in the day. Um, and I was impressed by him. I was impressed by his maturity and all that stuff. Um, one of my things about Jamar- DeMarcus Cousins is I don't know how much of it is DeMarcus Cousins, and I don't know how much is the fact that they just have a center. And and I am having a hard time delineating which is which because it is it is hard to determine because he's contributed very little, to be quite honest with you, as far as stats goes. It's, it's, um, it's hard, to, hard for me to determine it. I mean, yeah. what do you think? Well, Cousins is now shooting 30% from two this year with Denver. It, it's only eight games. Uh, he looked a little bit better this past game. He wasn't really blowing layups or anything like that. That's the biggest deal. He has to be able to finish those easier plays. And Denver needs a guy that, that can provide some size, but also some vertical spacing above the rim if they can get it. Uh, that can really mm-hmm. deliver on that end. So they, they've settled with Cousins. I think what this means to me is that they're not going to get a Gary Harris type. They're not going to get a Robin Lopez on a buyout market or anything like that. But right. uh, yeah. they seem comfortable with Cousins. They seem like he has filled the role that they are hoping to fill. Whether that actually manifests itself, I don't know. He is a guy that will probably play in the playoffs, though, which uh, how do you feel about that? Because I, I don't feel great. <laughs> I mean, you need a tough guy in the playoffs and the Nuggets. Do you? Uh, uh, yeah, and you and the Nuggets, that is one thing that I, I wish they had against Phoenix last year was a guy that wasn't going to take any shit. And I think the Nuggets took until Jokic and campaign. Um, <laughs> I, I, you didn't have any person that, that wasn't going to take any shit. And I think that really was something that they needed. And Jamal's like that, to be quite honest with you. Jamal's like mm-hmm. that. Jamal's the, 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 the swagger. And they missed the swagger. Um, and 
I think having DeMarcus in the second unit will definitely help in the playoffs because it helped the, the 2009 Nuggets with uh, Kenyon Martin. And Kenyon Martin, K. Martin, excuse me, K. Mart, what? K. Mart, K. Mart. <laughs> wow, I can't talk. Um, K. Mart could do that. I mean, him shoving Dirk Davisky into the first row of Pepsi Center set the tone for the rest of that series. And the Nuggets haven't had a single one of those guys who was able to do that. Like, you know, and if there's any value that the Marcus Cousins provides, it's he's going to do that. He's, he'll be the guy that's going to elbow you, give you a little extracurricular, uh, take no shit kind of stuff. And uh, I think that's that stuff is really valuable in the playoffs because Phoenix had that with Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's like that. And you, every roster needs that sort of thing if you're going to – progress through the 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 toughness of the of the playoffs so yeah that's what i'd say so i'm not sure if aaron gordon is that guy but i did see him flex over russell westbrook at pep or at ball arena it's a great picture uh, during the the 37 (laughs) point win or whatever they had um he plays with that physicality he gets involved with with guys like jay crowder and uh players like that he he he's not afraid to tussle up a little bit. So I, I wonder if Gordon kind of develops into that guy over the course of this playoff run. That would be very interesting to me. That would be. Um, last question I have for you. How much do you care about Nikola Jokic defending his MVP at this stage of the year? Care as about as much as he does, which cool. is not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think what we have found out with the MVP award and with the way that it has been conducted this year is that I thought, I think that if Joel Embiid was even going to have a competent year, they were going to want to give it to him because there's a group of voters who felt that they would have voted for him if he was fully healthy last year. And that is where at the point where I'm like, you know what? First team, all NBA, and finals MVP are far more significant awards. And I think a finals MVP means you you won the thing. And right. first team all NBA means that everyone thinks that you're the best you're you're the best person at that position, regardless of what the MVP is. So to me, that is that is kind of where I my mind move and it did even last year with when even when Jokic won the MVP I don't care and I I think Jokic has the right mindset to it. it just it it's it's a regular season award and in the in the grand scheme of things it just does not matter he's he's certainly approaching it in the way that or at least not talking about it in the way that he really cares about it and mm-hmm. I do think that he cares at least a little bit more than what he puts on like he he doesn't like to be disrespected. He doesn't like to be uh, just just flamed by people that don't really know what they're talking about. Um, but what I will say is that he definitely was more caring on Jamal Murray coming back than he was on the MVP. Like I think I think if he could do that trade, mm-hmm. if he could trade out last year's MVP for a healthy Jamal Murray, he probably would. And that's that's just kind of the player he is. That's the kind of person he is. And think the the team success factor of it and and having guys around him that could be successful is just so much more valuable and meaning meaningful to him which 
is definitely like refreshing in, in when you've got a guy over in Philly right now who it's just so clear that he's gunning for these awards. And that's mm-hmm. pretty wild when thinking about how Jokic sort of goes about his day. Uh, certainly not the way Jokic does things. Can I get leave you with a hot take? Sure, let's hear it. If the Nuggets are fully healthy and have their guys raring to go by the time the playoffs go, um, I think they would have zero trouble beating the Phoenix Suns. Hmm. Okay. That's, I think, that is I hot. Think a, I think a fully healthy Nuggets team is better than the fully healthy Phoenix team. I think that Denver fully healthy is better than fully healthy Golden State. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that there is a delineation between Golden State and Phoenix that I'm not sure I can quite get to. Just because I know what they, they – they just have so many options that they throw at you. And the number of players that they have that would appear in like a top 100 list, uh, kind of anchored by the fact that they have – Several athletic athletic role guys that would be pretty difficult for Jokic to deal with. Uh, they've got a guy in DeAndre Ayton who would give him some trouble physically on defense that I would be a little bit worried about it. But hey, maybe Jokic just levels up and he continues to progress. And maybe I'm not fully appreciating what he was doing last year. And that if you add a guy like Jamal back and if you add a guy like Mike back, then like Denver didn't have fully healthy Will Barton last year either. And they, they just, they didn't have Jeff Green either. Like that's another guy that you can go to as a, as a really solid option that I think is better in that series than a Paul Millsap is. So there are reasons to believe. Think about how different that season look, yeah, that series looks with Jamal. Yeah. Last like year. You've got Mikhail Bridges defending him for sure. Um, he gets off Mike. He's not he covering Mike. Mike that, that's Jay true. Crowder, like got, Jay Crowder moves to Mike. Or Devin uh, Booker. Like and Devin Booker. And Mike can handle both of those guys. Yeah. Um, and and it's just it, Jamal with Mike and having that lethal starting lineup with Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic and, and Will Barton or say this time insert um, Jeff Green, they could go with a big lineup. Um, Their options are much better. And I think a fully, fully healthy Nuggets team, fully healthy, beat the Phoenix Suns 100%. At Jay Morton 78, bring me your hate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're going to get any haters on this one, Jeff. If anything, everybody's going to be like, yes, go Jeff. You're really satisfied the quota there of, of the Nuggets positivity right there. So, um, hey, man, I, I want to see it. Like, I, more than anything, I, I just want to see what this team can do when they have their full complement of pieces. And yeah. if, if you have yeah. Nikola Jokic playing the way that he is, if you have Jamal Murray playing the way he was last year before he went down, then there are very few teams, like, there are very few duos in the NBA that can realistically have a better two-man game than those guys and it's not even really two-man game like most of the other guys are like option one and option two Mm -hmm. with yoke and murray like it's it's symbiotic so there is a reason to believe in this group and i'm glad that you're bringing the positivity at the end so thank you 
Of course, that's what I do other than bore people, is I bring the positivity. <laughs> do, you, do you like my Twitter banner? I, I do. <laughs> I, I am, I'm still going to be Nuggets Eeyore for those that haven't seen it. Uh, I complain about the plus minus all the time. I thought it was perfect. I, I made it myself. Uh, who did you call yourself that, or did someone else call you that? No, I think uh, <laughs> I think it wasn't Matt who called me at first, but I do think that the crowd over at Nuggets Reddit uh, was like, "Man, Ryan is so negative about everything," <laughs> and then it just sort of stuck. Like, and I don't blame them. Like I've, I've ever since Jamal went down, I, I kind of changed my tune about the team. Uh, but I'm starting to get back into it. I, I feel like when Jamal comes back, things are things are going up and up for Ryan. Well, look, Pickaxe and Rolls is a great podcast. So everyone, please uh, like and subscribe to uh, Mr. Ryan Blackburn here. He does a great job. Uh, you're listening to this because you're subscribed. Why am I telling you to subscribe to something you're probably already <laughs> subscribed to? I don't know. But anyway, uh, yes, be sure and like do that. If you, you're coming from CSG and you've never... Uh, listen to pickaxe and roll please subscribe to ryan's podcast he's uh, very good at this at this uh, nuggets b thing something that i i have not been good at since about 2000 so uh, <laughs> i'm glad someone's doing it did they have apple phones back then that's crazy like i i don't know <laughs> i know no uh my my phone was powered by steam yeah i, and, I believe uh, I had to have five stout men work the bellows in order to uh, <laughs> power my phone. On that note, that is the King of Thornton himself, Jeff Morton at jmorton78. Make sure to go follow him. Make sure to go subscribe to the CSG Pod too. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll be over there at some point, and we can talk the yes, talk the will. shit about the Denver Nuggets, of course. Uh, but for now, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow. Uh, doing more uh, player grades and things like that for the injured guys and also for uh, the bigs. And then we're going to talk about practice because I think that there are going to be some fun details that come out of uh, the first practice back post All-Star break. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.